When I was preparing more or less the PCS over here, I was hearing, you know, I'm going to Japan and all this other stuff, and, and I, I wasn't super thrilled about the idea of coming to Japan. I just never really knew, I never really had that desire to, uh, to do it. You know, I'm just kind of more of a, of a country boy. I'm not really, I wasn't really that into world travel. Uh, but, you know, somebody, my, I was talking to a priest friend of mine, and he was sharing uh, the beauties of Japan. And how whenever you come to Japan, which is one of the things you notice, one of the first things you notice, is how in Japan, everybody dresses up. You go to the store, you go to the mall, you go pretty much anywhere, you're going to see people dressed very well. And what am I, my priest friend was saying is that in Japanese culture, whether it's true or not, I'd love to hear y'all's, y'all's advice, but it makes sense to me. In Japanese culture, you don't dress up for you. That's kind of more of an American thing. Like, I dress up so I can look good and, and, and you know, make, make people realize how great I am. And no, no, no. In Japanese culture, you dress up for the other person. Because what happens whenever you dress up, what happens whenever you put on nice clothes, whenever you take the, 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 the time to sacrifice and the energy to, to iron the shirt, to put on the slacks, to, you know, to shine the shoes, all these, whenever you actually take the energy to dress up, you're sending a message to the other person saying, hey, you're worth dressing up for. You're worth sacrificing for. You're worth ultimately changing your clothes and looking decent for. That's why kind of there's this, this idea we dress nice on a first date, this whole, hey, you are worth it. And kind of in light of that, and kind of the real, in, in light of that aspect of dressing up, being aligned to courtesy, it makes a little bit more sense why we have Jesus preaching this gospel. See, Jesus' gospel today and Jesus' words today are the third, really, parable, hard, one of his hard-hitting parables. He has been lately on a real tear to, to, just, to just lay it on us and let us know, hey, unless we do this, this, and this, we will burn in hell. He's not afraid of that. This is one of those things, you know, a lot of people thought, oh, Jesus came, he did away with the idea of hell. Not true. Jesus came and introduced the idea of hell and showed us, hey, there's consequences for your actions. There's consequences for what you're going to do. Every other religion, there's no idea, no notion of hell. The ideas of, the, the notion of hell and other religions are like you go and become just a shade and you just kind of hang out in Hades forever and float around in the river sticks. That's their idea. No, 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 no. That's not how Jesus words it. He says it very specifically. Things like there will be wailing and grinding of teeth. There will be a fire that is never quenched. There will be this and that. He points out like these like real horrors for doing what? Not wearing the right clothes at a banquet? It seems kind of extreme. But let's like kind of look a little bit deeper into this parable. What, what do we have going on here? Well, we have here a few people. The first are the initially invited guests. The people that ultimately he threw, this king, through this beautiful, incredible banquet for. A wedding feast. It's a very special time for him. And what does he want to do? He wants to spend his own money, his own time, his own energy to throw a banquet and celebrate with other people, with his invited guests. And what do they do? They said, man, I got other things I got to do. I got to go back to my farm. I gotta go do my business. I've gotta do this. I've gotta do that. I've got better things to do than celebrate with you in your life. I'm gonna go about my own way. I'm gonna do my own thing. 
That's what some people say. Others straight up killed the servants that sent the message. Others murdered his people. What does that symbolize? What does that mean? Ultimately, what he's pointing out is he's pointing out the Jewish people. If we look at salvation history, the prophets, whether you're talking about Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, were usually killed for preaching the truth. They were usually killed for standing up for what was right. And he's kind of articulating that, how many times in the history of Israel, people speaking on behalf of God were murdered by their own people. Very, very sad. So what happens because they ultimately reject Jesus, reject the prophets, what does the Lord do? He invites everyone. He invites everyone. And look, they look at us. Most of us are probably not of Jewish ascent. We are, we are from a variety of backgrounds. We are from a variety of people. We are what you call Gentiles. And here we are. What does he do? He invites the Gentiles. And what does he invite? He invites the good. And he invites the bad alike. He invites us all. We're all invited to what? To his wedding banquet. To his feast. And what do we do? He ultimately allows us to come on in. And that's what the symbolism of this ultimate, this passage is, is that all are invited. Come one, come all. All are welcome, if you will. I hate that song, but it's true in a sense. All are welcome. Every single one of us, we're all welcome here in the church. But there's one caveat. Usually whenever we hear, hey, all are welcome, you're good, come on in, we usually fill in the blanks and thinks we are welcome Come as you are. Come as you are. Come however, you know, however you woke up out of bed. You know, just come on in. That's not quite how Jesus words it. Jesus words it a little bit differently. Jesus invites us to the wedding banquet, but then he says, but you got to be on your best behavior. You got to be on your best behavior. You can't just come and pretend like everything that you are and all of your sinful and dirty ways are okay, and you can just bring it right on into this banquet. Uh-uh. That ain't going to fly. All right? What are you going to do? What do you got to do? You got to put on a garment. You got to put on a wedding garment. In other words, you got to dress up. Now you might think, oh, but Father, I don't have any money. Oh, but Father, I can't afford nice clothes. Oh, but Father, this, whatever. My great-grandfather was a, fa- was a field hand out in, in Scott, Louisiana in 1890. And the only pictures I ever saw of Antoine Pellissier, my great-grandfather, were him in a three-piece suit. All right? If he can afford to buy clothes and dress up, I think we can too. I'm not saying you need to wear a three-piece suit. I'm not saying you need to wear a top hat. I'm not saying any of these things. But what I am saying is that ultimately Jesus is saying, come, every one of us, but ultimately, dress up. Dress up. Now, let's be real. Is he actually saying to dress up to come to Mass? Yes and no. On the one hand, yes. I do encourage everyone to dress up whenever they come to Mass. Why? Because this is the wedding banquet. This is the wedding. This is, this, every Mass that we come to is where God weds himself to mankind. Where God in heaven becomes bread on earth and ultimately becomes one of us. It is the wedding feast. It is the banquet. This is the source and summit of our faith. This is everything. So my encouragement is, hey, 
why don't we send a message to the Lord and say, hey, you're worth it. Now, there's nothing really in the Bible, nothing really in the commandments that specifically say you have to wear this, that, or the other. There's no dress code per se written in Scripture. Although there's a cultural dress code. I mean, you know, in, in, in Italy, for instance, you know, back, back before, in fact, in Japan, for instance, women have to wear veils. In Italy, you know, you can't, you can't just, if, you, if you're a guy and you walk into the Vatican with short pants on, you, they're going to make you put on paper pants, which I always thought was kind of funny. But, you know, there are d- different dress codes in the cultural way, but there's no dress code in Kent. Why? Because as important as it is to look nice on the outside, it is infinitely more important to look nice on the inside. You see, that's what this wedding garment actually means. The wedding garment actually means to have not just, not just look nice physically, but be nice spiritually. In other words, our souls come to Jesus unstained. Our souls come to the Lord ultimately not soiled with sin. Our souls are the ones that are being presented to Jesus at the wedding feast, prepared and ready to receive him. That's fundamentally what this all boils down to. If it was just wearing clothes, then the punishment for this man not wearing the, 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 a wedding garment would not be hell. It wouldn't be. People don't go to, you don't go to hell because you wear bad clothes to church. But you can go to hell if you come up to communion and you're not ready to receive communion. You haven't made your sacraments, you haven't been a confession, you haven't, you know, your, your soul is, is wrought with sin. And if you come up and ultimately you just presume, hey, look, I'm good as I am. I got invited to the feast. I'm good. I'm ready to go. I haven't been a confession in 35 years, but I'll come on up. Guys, that is ultimately coming to the feast without the wedding garment. I'll tell you something. I'll be honest. The people I usually admire the most, and I'm being, I probably shouldn't say this, but I'm going to say it. The people that I admire the most in this church are the ones who don't receive communion. I said it. I'll be able, level. The ones who don't receive, I have a respect for. Now, I'm not saying don't, you know, nobody should receive communion. Please don't get that. But whenever I see somebody that ultimately, hey, you know what? I'm going to hold back. What I see is a recognition of, hey, this is really holy. This is really holy what I'm actually looking for. Maybe now is not the time to go up and receive. Maybe I need to go to confession first. Maybe I need to change my beliefs first. Maybe I need to change my habits first. I fully respect that. Why? Because what you're doing is you're acknowledging, hey, I got a wedding garment, but it's a little dirty. Might need to go throw this in the washing machine. Might need to go get a little scrubbing, you know? Might need to go see Father for confession so he can give me three Hail Marys for my penance. Might need to do that. And I'd be happy to. Point being is that ultimately what Jesus is doing is he's inviting us to ultimately a deeper relationship with him. What he's saying is, yes, come. You're chosen. I want you here. I desire you here. There's nothing more that I could ever ask for. But don't come as you are. Come as you're meant to be. And you're meant to be not just some complacent kind of slug, but you're meant to be a truly great person. A person that, that, that images me, a person that radiates me, and a person that shines like the sun, not as a damned soul in hell, but as a citizen of heaven.